Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Hey guys, so you should really know all of our classes are virtual right now. So every single one of you, no matter where you live in the world, can take our classes. We were trying to do whatever we can in this time to make things available for people. So here's what you need to know about that. Just go onto our website or go onto my body, sign up for any classes if you were here and you were going to do it. But you have to remember, we close signups 15 minutes before the class time starts. So if you miss that class, just sign up for the next one. We have over 10 classes a day, sometimes more than that. Our workshops are up there as well. So there's so much for you to dive into. Again, we want to be your support. And if there's other ideas that you have and ways we can support you or other podcast ideas that you have, please let us know. We're open ears. All we want to do is figure out how we can serve you guys and how we can serve you in the way that you need. But we need to hear from you. Thank you. So I wanted to introduce the Dentox podcast COVID-19 perspective series. The first episode was actually the one we put out a couple of weeks ago where we really helped you cultivate your space in this time of quarantine. But from that point on, we want every episode that we are doing right now to be something purposeful, something that can really help help you through this time, through this dark time for a lot of us, and not only help you, but also open you up to different ideas and different perspectives. So we are interviewing different people and bringing kind of their thoughts of what are going on and also ways that can help you get through it. Um, I feel like the more we're open right now, the more we can change. And the more we change, the more we're part of the bigger change that needs to happen. But we are still honoring the fact that this is scary and this is hard. And there's a lot of tips in all of these episodes and all of these interviews to help us all get through it together. I hope you enjoy it. Welcome to Dentalks Podcast. This is Tal. Continuing our COVID-19 perspective series, today we have an Eastern medicine doctor on, Dr. Ryan Monahan. He is really incredible, and I love getting this perspective because we really do talk about kind of preventative measures, different supplements you can be taking, different Chinese herbs you can be taking, and things you can be doing. But we also talk about this from an energetic perspective and how you can not only be building your immunity, but what it looks like from an energetic perspective when this virus does actually come into your system and how you can balance that. But also, what does it mean from an energetic perspective to be part of this time? And what can you be doing as a human in this civilization to help the world actually get through this as well? How can you be part of a global cure as well as your own personal safety? It's really interesting. Again, this whole series is about different perspectives, and I really feel like we've brought it out with this one as well. I hope you like it. Let us know. Check out our Facebook page um, and drop a line there and let us know what you think. Um, so we were just talking about how you were saying how you've been doing mostly telemedicine. Is that like a huge shift for you? Um, yeah, <clears throat> I, I hadn't been doing that before for the most part. There are some people across the country that reach out to me and want to work with me. And I love to accommodate anyone that I can. So I do. Of course, I'm limited a little bit in what I can do with those people. But like I said, I can still do probably 75% of what I do, you know, all the functional medicine, and still, you know, a lot of the Eastern as well, like herbs and diet and nutrition and lifestyle and things like that. The only thing I really can't do is the acupuncture and cupping. Um, have you found that people are do you feel like the people you're dealing with a lot right now are more of the same of the people that you normally deal with and they just need help? Or do you feel like you're getting a whole new bunch of people that something about this pandemic has kind of sparked? Totally a whole bunch of new people, which is awesome. Like I, I view this as kind of a mass awakening for a lot of people to investigate new holistic ways to take care of themselves beyond what conventional medicine offers, which is very important medicine, but it's really an emergency medicine. And people are interested in what they can do in preventative ways to really, you know, boost their overall health and well-being and immunity. And I've often had to really talk people into Chinese herbs in the past because of a few reasons. First of all, they're not really familiar 
with them so they don't have a context for their efficacy but then also they don't taste good so people who have tried them smell great (laughs) no they don't smell good they don't taste good I, i i personally like the taste and some people do but for the most part they don't they don't appeal to people's taste senses so i've really had to talk people into those but right now it's what we use for for this type of situation and people are like on board which is so cool people who have never tried them before people who have tried them and not like them like all sorts of people are like give me the herbs and that's that's to me it's great because herbs excuse me herbs are the herbs are really my favorite thing (laughs) no no just a dry humor a little humor Yeah, herbs are my herbs are, herbs are the favorite of everything I do. They're my favorite thing. They're they're this beautiful, um, elegant, intricate, complex, simple medicine that have been around for thousands of years, and that all, all the pharmaceutical industry is basing what they're doing off of. So um, it, it it's it's always something that has been a passion for me and for other people to now be getting on board because of the situation is like such a silver lining. So you feel, and it's interesting because I've noticed it too throughout the years, just in like the last, you know, I'm trying to think the first time I went for acupuncture or an acupuncturist was probably 20 years ago, which at that time, like you definitely had to search. Like yeah. I, was searching, I was finding, I was going through this thing. Um, I'd been in a car accident and I finally related this rash that wouldn't go away from my face. I finally connected it to the car accident. However, after doctors and biopsies, like no one could figure it out. And so it was almost the last resort. And this woman, Dr. Ma, she was beautiful and wonderful, like saved me. And I would take the herbs, I would make them in my, on my you know, stove and I had them, I would also put them on my face and which my roommate thought was hilarious because it was like a yellow face, um, but it worked and it was incredible. So it changed me, but it's, it's what I've noticed is now, and I feel like you're part of this too in a great way, if I really wanted to, I could like go online and put in like Chinese herbs for blank. And it would like pop up and you could probably order it from somewhere. And I don't know, like you could probably talk to this, how potent or great they are. But the fact that that is even in existence is pretty amazing. Because before you had to like find the person who was like doing them in the back of their like little office and could hand you the packet. And that was like the only way. So the fact that it's even kind of hit mainstream and the sense that you can do that, I think is incredible. I completely agree. People are really, really, I mean, herbs are becoming mainstream, like exponentially each year it becomes more and more part of kind of the, the common vernacular. And people are now really familiar with these herbs that have been used for thousands of years, maybe five, 10, 15 years ago, nobody had heard of, of course, you know, like ashwagandha, reishi, ginseng, hishawu, astragalus, like these are, these are kind of commonly um, referenced things and maybe i'm in an la bubble and it's not true everywhere but certainly here um (laughs) yeah yeah and so i love that people are kind of tuning into this medicine that's been around for literally thousands of years and i think it's where it starts and you know i have a little ambivalence about uh people kind of self diagnosing and self-treating because a i love that they're engaging in that way and that's beautiful Um, but, uh, the downside to it is, you know, these herbs don't really have extremely serious side effects, but if you, if you pick the wrong herb, they're not going to help. And in some cases they may exacerbate things a little bit, or you may have a little nausea or, you know, think some subtle things. So really I I always encourage people to, to find a licensed herbalist and work with them because they're going to be able to put together a custom formula that is perfect for their constitution with no side effects and it and it will treat not only what they're coming for but lots of other things now talk about you were saying that earlier you were just saying yes what we do is exactly what is meant for what's happening now go into that a little Mm -hmm. bit more and i I know you're talking about it more from like the preventative side um but yeah please expand on that yeah so uh chinese medicine uh has you know in the last two thousand years we've seen around 320 epidemics exactly like what we're experiencing right now and many much worse than what we're experiencing right now. And there's literally 2000 years worth of trial and error with these herbs, with, with these formulas that they've been using and they wouldn't 
still be here if they didn't work. Like we don't, we don't keep stuff for thousands of years that is ineffective. So that's, that's the wonderful thing about Chinese medicine is we've had the trial and error for thousands of years and we know it works. Um, and, and what we use in situations like, you know, an infectious epidemic are herbs and formulas and we can use them preventatively. And I've been doing that for a lot of patients, you know, people who are concerned that want to um, prevent getting sick. And then you can also use them for people who are already sick at various stages. Um, Chinese medicine always looks at the individual. We, it's not a one size fits all. We don't, we don't treat um, the disease. We, we treat the person. So it's really important for me when I'm working with a patient, you know, I want to see their tongue. I want to hear their symptoms. I want to know everything that they're dealing with. And then I customize formulas for their specific situation. Um, because things are so moving so quickly and so widespread, in, you know, in China, they did develop a, a national formula for, for, for COVID uh, called Qing Fei Pai Du Tong. And that's 21 different herbs. And, and that is something that they were giving to kind of everyone. And that's very unique for Chinese medicine. That's not the way Chinese medicine works. It's never this one thing that they do for everybody. But because of this is such a unique situation, they did, they did build out that formula and kind of say, this is the official formula. Um, and it's a combination of several formulas. And uh, that, is, that is something that I've been giving to a lot of people as well. Um, but the preventative formula is, is it's an old standby, Yu Ping Fang Song, which is jade windscreen powder. It's, it's three herbs, uh, Huang Qi, which is astragalus, uh, Feng Feng, which is silar root, and Baizu, which is uh, white attractyloids rhizome. And that has been around forever, you know, that boosts immunity and that's gonna help prevent getting sick. And is that something you would give, and I have two questions off of that, is that something you would give people in general throughout the year or if someone you knew had like a low immune, like a low yes. immune regardless that it's, it's great for now, but that's also something you just do. Yeah. It's something that we just do. Anyone who has uh, Im a low immunity, we would give that formula to somebody who's like, I get seasonal allergies that are really, you know, disruptive to me, or I get sick really easily. That's kind of a standard formula that we give to people. It builds their defensive Wei Qi is what we call it, defensive Qi. It's like, uh, you know, it's called jade windscreen. So it's, it's, it's saying we're kind of building this jade uh, force field around you that keeps out the path pathogenic invaders. So it's like you, he's saying Wei Qi and he's kind of like doing like a bubble that's beyond him with his arms. Yeah. Um, which it's funny because like when we talk sometimes like about our aura or something, that is what we do. So is it the same thing? Is it like... Yeah. It's You're building an energetic force field around you, really. Uh, that's the way we see it. And um, so, and explain. People, sorry, I was going to. And you might be doing yeah. it. Explain to people how the energetic force field helps actually protect disease from coming in, because some people might not yet be able to kind of yeah understand the difference of like something physical. How can an energetic force field help with that? Yeah. So if you are going to participate in Chinese medicine at some level, you it's useful if you believe in the concept of energy. I mean, Western sciences believe in energy as well. So it's not this like far out groovy thing, you know, energy exists. And I'm like, everything's energy, whether you want to believe it or not. <laughs> it is. And, you know, Western sciences and physics agree. They talk about energy as well. So it is not this, this hippy dippy thing. It's, it's very real. Um, so in Eastern medicine, we're working on the, the energies, you know, and uh, Eastern medicine in terms of immunity and health is very different than Western. Western focuses a lot of its time on looking for things to kill and destroy. And Eastern medicine looks at ways to nourish life and to strengthen and to build. And so we are viewing immunity as a weakness of your energy and if your energy is strong you're protected from any invaders and if your energy is weak you're you're vulnerable to invasion so we use uh um herbs in, in this in this case you ping feng song is the formula to build what we call your wei qi w-e-i which translates your defensive qi and that is literally an energy that surrounds you and if that is strong, it doesn't matter what the pathogen 
is, it, it won't get in. And if it's weak, it, it can. So um, we're always looking to build uh, the patient's strength and immunity and energy. And, and if you're strong, you'll be healthy. So what about in situations like taking that, like in China where they're giving, and I love that, I think that's so cool that they basically started, was it mandatory that people started taking that or was that just like a recommendation? Of I, don't, I don't know that it, the Yuping Feng song or the- The, the one Ch that they came up with specifically. For oh yeah, Ching Fei Pai Du Tong. Yeah, that, the COVID- I haven't quite picked up on the names yet. <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, yeah, Ching Fei Pai Du Tong, that's opinion, so. Um, yeah, that mandatory. I wouldn't. It wasn't like it was distributed to every person, you know. But anyone, any any healthcare worker working in a hospital was taking it. Any anyone who thought they were sick would be given that. Although, you know, in China, it's not Chinese medicine. It's just medicine. And yeah, so their their hospitals are using both Western approaches and Eastern approaches simultaneously in a truly integrated way, which is the best approach, you know? Uh, Western medicine has so many great things to offer and so does Eastern, and we should use them both together. We shouldn't, it shouldn't be this battle of one, only one or only the other. Um, both of them are good at different things. Uh, in in China, Chinese Chinese medicine, as we would call it, was has been utilized in eighty five percent of COVID nineteen cases with with great success. So in in that hospital setting, because they're built out for it, they're able to do custom formulas in, instantaneously. You know, they they have everything there. So they look at the patient, and this is the way to really do it. They look at the patient and they build that patient a custom formula. But they also have this kind of one size fits all formula, the Ching Fei Pai Du Tong with twenty one different herbs. And that has been given to you say that twenty one times fast. Ching Fei Pai Du Tong. That has been given to uh yeah, many, 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 many people. And I've been giving it to people as well. It's it's great. It's a great combination of of herbs that really, really covers the gamut of, you know, what, what's needed for this situation. Now, this may be a really dumb question, but going back to kind of like building up our force field so that, you know, the, the virus cannot actually come in and penetrate and the virus itself is energy as well, correct? So yeah, we talk about pathogens as well, you know, in, in Eastern medicine, we talk about pathogens. So um, it's certainly an energy, but uh, we, we do call it a pathogenic invader. So how, what then, if let's say, how does that energy then dissipate? So if we're creating these force fields, so it can't mm -hmm. come, like, does it need something to live on? Does it eventually just dissipate? Then does it have to find somewhere to go? So is it like bouncing off of you, but then has to go somewhere? Like what is, does, does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. I guess, I guess we wouldn't necessarily think of it um, as like, if it, <laughs> whatever I say bounces off of me and sticks to you, right? Like, I, I don't think that's necessarily uh, the way we're thinking about it. It's just, we are, I mean, we are being bombarded every day in a Western way by like trillions of bacteria and viruses and like we're, we're defending them and, and um, you know, the stronger we are, the, the easier it is to, to defend against these, these invaders. Uh, I don't know if that answered the question, though. <laughs> no, I mean, it's just that curious thought where I'm thinking about everything as energy, and I'm assuming the virus yeah. itself is energy. So then what happens yeah. to that energy that has nowhere to land, I guess? Is it just, you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. <laughs> I'm <just laughs> ponder. Um, so talk about, some, not even symbolically, but how it's kind of looked at from an Eastern perspective of if you do get this virus, kind of what mm -hmm. is happening in your body. Yeah. So uh, it begins, you know, Eastern medicine has a different language than Western and it doesn't always translate. It's not like a one-to-one -one thing. So when we start talking about it, it may sound very different. Uh, but, you know, the way we talk about it, it begins as an exterior uh, invasion and then, and then that moves more interior. Uh, it's going to create, uh, the virus is going to create inflammation and exudate and phlegm, which can damage the lungs and generates a lot of dampness and phlegm. We talk about those things. Uh, dampness is like a feeling of, of the congestion and stifling in the chest you might feel. Phlegm is going to be, you know, a, a discharge that's blocking the alveoli. Uh, it's going to generate either lung heat or lung cold uh, in, in the lung. And then, and then we're going to choose different herbs based on that. So we're always looking at, you know, uh, heat versus, you know, hot versus cold 
uh, yin versus yang, excess versus deficient, everything should be balanced. Um, so we're always, we're always looking at, at what point is it in, in, in that person's system. And we look at the tongue, we check the pulse, we look at their symptoms. And based on all of that, we know where the, what the progression of, of the disease is at that point. And then we're going to build a treatment based on that. So, you know, the first stage is always going to be prevention, like just avoid getting it in the first place. So that's where we're going to use really immune boosting formulas and herbs just to keep your weight she's strong to, to keep you strong from getting it in the first place uh the second stage that's going to be early symptoms it's going to be the fever dry cough fatigue kind of like a cold or flu then the third stage is going to be pneumonia stage and that's that can range from a mild pneumonia to a very serious pneumonia including ARDS acute respiratory distress syndrome um, you know, that cytokine storm. And then if you, if you get out of the pneumonia stage, which is the most serious stage, there's, there's the final stage, which is a recovery stage. So just because you've uh, gotten past the acute pneumonia phase of things, there's been a lot of damage done to the body. And you're probably hearing a lot about that. People may be discharged from the hospital, but they're still on oxygen or, you know, something. And it takes them a long time to recover. So in, in Eastern medicine, we're going to treat that as well. There's formulas to help that recovery stage. It's going to be Shashan uh, Maimandong, uh, which is a formula that's going to, going to help the lung and spleen energies recover. And that seems super important because I've also heard, and this was kind of actually before it got really bad, you were hearing bad here, um, you were hearing how anyone who gets it, not even those who, it's not only those who are hospitalized, but that it leaves such permanent damage on the lungs yeah. in certain, was it scar tissue or yeah. something on the lungs that even if you weren't hospitalized can actually affect you for the rest of your life? Yeah. And you know, that's not, it's not unique to COVID. That's true in num typical pneumonia as well. You can have damage to the lungs, like a scarring, like a cystic fibrosis, like a, you know, like a scarring to the, to the lung tissue. And does that does that need to be permanent for the rest of your life? I'm I'm not sure that anybody knows that yet because we're still very early in 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 this whole process. Uh, I think I think there's a lot of herbs in Eastern medicine that are very uh, helpful to to regenerate lung tissue, and I th I think there's potential for those herbs and those formulas to help people. It might take months, you know, it might even take years. And, you know, there are other things you can do to help your body heal. The body has an amazing capacity to heal if you put it in the position to do so. And if, if you give it the things it needs, like right now I'm taking, you know, like beef lung capsules, you know, and Eastern medicine is very big on uh, what, whatever you want to heal, consume that, you know? So, uh, it, and functional medicine as well you know we're we're really big uh into organ meats they're very uh nutrient dense and and nutritious and so like yeah i'm taking beef lung capsules right now because i want to keep my lungs very strong in that way so what about like when you were talking about everything's supposed to be balanced so have you noticed or has there been talk like within eastern medicine that a certain type of imbalance, like a, you know, every person's different, but I'm sure people fall in a different kind of category. It's like, you're more this, but you're less this and blah, blah, blah. Is there a certain version of that that is more susceptible to this virus? Yeah. Uh, and anyone, well, obviously we know, you know, from, from a Western or general health perspective, really anyone, you know, with uh, compromised immunity or pre-existing conditions. So that's, that's just going to be a general, you know, diminished health state. Uh, in, in Eastern medicine, uh, the, that defensive chi that I'm talking about, that correlates to the lung energy, actually, interestingly. Uh, so if you have, if you, what's that? That is interesting. Yeah, it is. Uh, so whenever we're whenever we're strengthening that defensive energy, the two things were that defensive energy is your lung energy, and then your lung energy from a five elements perspective that uh, that's a metal energy. Uh, metal is going to be supported by earth energy, and earth energy is going to be 
the spleen, stomach energy. So that's digestive energy. And then paired with that metal energy in lung is large intestine. So what I'm getting at is a big part of your immunity, both in Eastern medicine and functional medicine, stems from your digestive health, which is your gut health. And everyone's heard a lot about that. So really, in order to strengthen immunity from a functional perspective and an Eastern perspective, you need to strengthen your digestion and your gut. And so in Eastern medicine, we're going to always want to strengthen that spleen and lung energy. And in functional medicine, we're always going to want to strengthen your, your digestion and your gut. So for you, what does that mean? Like, how do you do that? Is it a probiotic? Is it... Yeah, it's so many things. It's so many things. Um, probiotics are good. I really try to encourage people to consume fermented foods because, you know, probiotics are going to be capsules that you take that are maybe in the billions, whereas in maybe an ounce of, you know, fermented food, fermented vegetable, sauerkraut, kimchi, it's going to be in the trillions. You know, there's no comparison. It's, it's 10 times greater, if not more. Um, in terms of the probiotic uh, potency. So fermented foods like every day or even every meal right now would probably be the best thing you could do. Um, what are some that, other fermented foods people can be adding? Some, to? some other what? Like what are, give a good long list of fermented foods for people then. If you're saying have it every Oh day. yeah. For, I mean, fermented vegetables of any kind, anything fermented. So I'm having like black fermented garlic every day because garlic, you know, the allicin is very antiviral, antibacterial, antifungal, all those things. And then it's a fermented food as well. Uh, kimchi is a very well-known, you know, fermented food. Sauerkraut, a very well-known fermented food. But you can, anything, anything can be fermented. Carrots, beets, um, cucumbers, uh, radishes, like there's all sorts of stuff. If you go to Erewhon, they've got a whole big fermented section. Um, everything's in these glass jars and it's every kind of vegetable fermented you can imagine. So, uh, you know, natto is a fermented soybean that's really high in K2. K2 is really good for digestion, vitamin K2. Um, all sorts of fermented, fermented things. Miso soup is, is a fer ferment. Uh, anything fermented is going to feed the healthy bacteria in your gut. And, and that's what we want to do. Uh, you know, 70 to 80% of the body's immune cells are housed in the gut. So if you want to talk about strengthening your immune system, you're talking about strengthening your gut health. I feel like there's so much talk about gut health constantly. And it is, you know, and I think people pay attention and then they believe it, but then they forget almost like kind of when you're yeah. like this that, hey, just by like paying attention to your gut health, you could actually be doing a lot for yourself in the face of this virus. Yeah. And so, okay. So, so much of what, you know, it, it, people ask what they can do. A lot of it is also what can you stop doing? Oh, <laughs> uh, great. Let's go there. You, you can stop eating sugar because sugar's feeding all the bad bacteria and, and starving the good bacteria. Which I can probably assume for a lot of people, especially those who have kids, the sugar intake's probably gone up. Because I exactly. know- I know there's a lot of bake. I mean, we're guilty of it over here too. It feels like a lot of baking that we've never done. Yes. But all of a sudden it's like the activity of the day. <laughs> totally. If you haven't made a banana bread, you haven't been in quarantine, like, you know? <laughs> I've made a banana bread. I've received banana bread. <laughs> yeah. It, <laughs> That's it, really it, funny. And I get that. It's very like, it's a time where we want to feel comfortable. So we go for these comfort foods and baking is such a nice activity. And that's all very lovely, you know, and I think there's a, there's a space for that. And I'm not saying don't do those things. But keep in mind, consuming sugar is one of the worst things you can do for your immune system. It immediately suppresses immune function. It, uh, it does starve the healthy bacteria and it feeds the unhealthy bacteria in your gut. And that's, that's where your immune system is. So, um, you know, if you're, if you're having a little sugar here and there for fun and as a treat, like live life, but also keep in mind, you know, it does, it does have an adverse effect on your health. Um, you know, consuming bone broth is one of the best things we can do for our gut health. It's going to repair the lining of our gut and it's just filled with amino acids that help repair everything in the body. Um, avoiding cold raw foods is an Eastern medicine uh, nutritional approach to strengthen your spleen energy, your digestive health. Cold raw foods really weaken your digestive energy. 
so avoiding salads, the you know the cold smoothies that most people have, uh, cold ice water. Screwed. I love a salad and I like a smoothie. <laughs> I, yeah, a lot of people do. Uh, so that it's something to keep in mind if you're having that all the time in Eastern medicine. The digestive energy is a fire, and if you're just th- you think of a fire, if you're always throwing cold things on it, it, it takes so much more work for that energy to first bring it up to like a body temperature and then at that point it can start to use energy to break it down digestion isn't isn't this passive thing it's it's utilizing the vast majority of our body's energetic resources so the more we can do to support our digestion the more energy is left over to maintain the rest of our body like our immunity and all our other vital organs so another thing is chewing your food this is you know people ask me like what's one thing i can do to improve my health, the number one answer I give to everyone is always chew your food. It's free. It costs nothing. You don't have to go anywhere. You just have to make the intention to do it, right? So I tell people to chew their food 50-0 times before they swallow. And that sounds- Every bite. Every bite ever. And it sounds insane. And the first time I was told that, I literally laughed out loud. And I was like, that's absurd. And now I chew probably 80 to 100 times per bite. And yeah, you have to count and it takes I'm weeks. I'm doing it right now. Yeah, I see, I see. <laughs> and it takes, it takes time to get used to that. But I'm at a point where it's just a passive action. And it takes me a long time to eat my meal. And you don't get to have as much of a conversation. But literally, if you can chew your food, and maybe it's not 50 times, but do what you can. If you, if you watch other people chew their food, they're chewing their food like three times. Three to, yeah, three to five times before they swallow. And it's, it's not enough. You know, so much digestion begins in the mouth. That's the only place you can control your digestion. It's manual at that point. Once you swallow, it's, it's autopilot, like you have no control. So there's digestive, you know, uh, salivary amylase that's, that begins the breakdown. You're stimulating the digestive enzymes in your body to begin releasing. The, the smaller the surface area of that food is before you swallow, the easier the bile, the stomach acids, the digestive enzymes can break that down versus large boluses of food that really, it doesn't even complete digestion. It just passes it through into the digestive tract, the, the intestines, and, and you, don't get, you don't get everything out of what you're eating. So you find if you start chewing your food really well, you don't need as much food because you're getting everything from what you're eating. So you're going to be eating less and getting more. I was about to say, when you were saying like, this must be great for weight loss too, not just because it slows you down, but because it's breaking your food down entirely. It's, it's wonderful for weight loss. So many things, you can change your life if you truly imp- implement that and really every single bite you chew until it's completely liquid before you follow, swallow, it'll change so many things that you never knew possible because your body is not, it's not utilizing so much energy to digest. We eat all the time, you know, like most people breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and maybe snacks in between. So our digestion is just constantly running. And the more you can give your body a break from digestion, the more energy it has other places. We're a single unit of energy. And we we choose where that energy is diverted to at, at all times by what we choose, what activities we choose to do. If you're constantly eating, all your energy is going to your digestion. So you you want a break from that. So what is a suggested break? Like when, like what are the breaks you should be giving your digestive system? I always, you know, first of all, you know, the things that I was just talking about, chewing your food gives your digestion a huge break. It, it, you do the work before your digestion has to in your mouth, you know, uh, avoiding cold and raw foods. That's going to take a lot of the burden off of, off of your digestive uh, energy. And then uh, listening to your body and, and listening to your hunger, not eating if you're not hungry and eating when you are hungry, uh, intermittent fasting gets a lot of it, <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of attention. Uh, I, I think that's good, but I also don't think there's a one size fits all for that either. And a lot of people are doing a thing where they don't eat in the morning uh, and they don't eat till noon, and then they eat kind of like twelve to six or twelve to eight. Personally, I don't believe in a one size fits all. But in that instance, I would say it would be better to not eat at night. And, and eat in the morning and lunch, and, you know, because the more your body is done with digestion before you go to bed, the more your body can send all those healing energies to all the places it needs to at night. So listening to, listening to your body's um, 
calls for calls for food and then not overeating eating until you're maybe 80 percent full versus until you're stuffed you know right right so what do you feel like for now i mean those are all great tips what are certain things people like what are supplements people can also be taking as, as well yeah. as you know this, these amazing formulas you were talking about yeah so definitely chinese herbs are are I mean, Chinese herbs are really, really food as medicine because they're all, they're all plants, really. You know, wow. uh, that that formula I was talking about, Ching Fei Pai Du Tong, it's got like licorice root, apricot kernel, cinnamon twig. Uh, it's got some mushrooms. It has ginger. It has uh, yam. That's tangerine peel. Too bad. No, it's great. Yeah, uh, bitter orange, patchouli, like. All, all the in several roots that people probably haven't heard of. So it's really, it's really, really potent medicinal food that's made into a tea that you drink. So that that is obviously what I recommend. But then, kind of on the functional side of things, uh, zinc, liposomal vitamin C, vitamin A, vitamin D, elderberry, astragalus, uh, rhodiola, guaifenesin if you have lung congestion, colloidal silver. Uh, quercetin, curcumin, uh, and acetylcysteine. Uh, those are good. Those are good things. I would I would be including right now in the in the situation. How um, talk about the difference of liposomal C versus just C? Yeah, it's just more bio bioavailable. It, it's it's housed in a, a lipid uh, sphere that your body can integrate more effectively. Uh, than just the regular vitamin C. So uh, there's, a, there's a lot of that available. It's a little more expensive and it's also been a little sold out right now. I also it, advise people to avoid the soy-based liposomals. A lot of those are soy-based. Um, there's some sunflower-based ones that I would recommend over those. Soy is very uh, disruptive to uh, the hormone system, uh, estrogen analog, and then a lot of soy is also GMO. Uh, so if you can avoid the so soy-based liposomals, I would, I would recommend doing that. Um, and what about when people do get the you know, virus and they're feeling like shit? How do mm -hmm. you feel about taking kind of some of the over-the-counters, like the Tylenol? Like how, what do you think about that stuff? Just on a personal level, I'd never take anything like that uh, because I, I, they're filled with junk, in my opinion. You know, there's a lot of that. If you look at that other ingredients part of it, it's usually like food dyes, food coloring, uh, you know, flavors. All of those are really gnarly chemicals. You know, a lot of it's like crude oil based and uh, really disruptive to the body and counter to what you're trying to do. And then, you know, Eastern medicine also, you know, sees if you're getting a fever, that's your body fighting the virus, you know? So like, why would you want to inhibit your body's ability to, I know it makes you feel better, but like, and of course, if you're having extreme fever, that's one thing, but you know, like a certain fever for a certain period of time is how your body fights something. So suppressing symptoms is not ultimately what an Eastern medicine approach would be. You, we, want, we want to support your body. So the big thing to keep in mind is if we, there's no cure, right? We're not, I'm not offering a cure, Eastern medicine, Chinese herbs, supplements, these aren't offering cures. Um, we're offering ways to support the symptoms that can keep them minimal enough that your body can take care of the virus on its own. So your body is amazing and it can heal itself and it can deal with this virus. It, it can deal with it. It'll build, it'll build the antibodies and you'll get over it and you'll be okay. And you'll be immune hopefully for some period of time. We don't know that for sure, but hopefully. And if you can do everything you can to just deal with those symptoms, you know, keep, keep the, the lungs open so you can breathe, keep the phlegm down, keep the fever reasonable, that's that's ideal. So I don't personally utilize over-the-counter stuff, you know, from like a CVS or whatever, because I think they're they're made with a lot of ingredients I don't like. Um, but I also am familiar with you know Chinese herbs and, and you know higher quality grade functional supplements that that I know are clean and are more effective. So that's what I'd recommend, you know. 
So like what would be if someone does have like a fever that's just persistent and high, like it's getting high, yeah. high what do you recommend they do? Definitely Chinese herbs. You know, there's, there's a lot of really great heat clearing herbs that are, you know, have been used for thousands of years to treat fever. Like it's, it's something we do all the time. And that's where you, you want to work with an herbalist. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 So if you don't, if you don't know, uh, of a licensed herbalist asking around, um, you can ask me as well. Anybody can get in touch with me. You can work with me or you can, uh, get in touch with me wherever you're located and I can refer you if I know anybody in that area. But, you know, I think now people are realizing they maybe need to put a little more time and effort into the maintenance of their health because this is a new experience that we're all in right now. You know, this is a unique time. I don't think it's the last though. You know, I think this is going to happen again, whether it's in the near future or the distant future, but now is a good time to really learn. It's kind of like our dry run at this and uh, you know, becoming familiar with ways to take care of yourself in a holistic way is is a really good thing to do going forward, not only for this, but for your general well-being. Do you feel like, you know, when you were talking about kind of the digestive health and the lungs, you were saying with the metals and you were saying earth is one way you kind of counteract it. And, you know, what went to my mind too, besides just, you know, something you can ingest is also the idea. And I've, I've been talking about this a lot that Part of me from like a bigger perspective feels like this is, you know, a little bit connected to Mother Earth and kind of, oh, yeah. kind of shaking us up a little bit on how far off we have gone as a civilization from, you know, working with Mother Earth, working with the powers that she naturally gives us, working with the cycles that are naturally part of, you know, every day, every night, every season. How, and so it just made me think about it. It's like, oh, it's so interesting. You were saying again, the lungs indirectly connect and you, you feel like you keep getting these beautiful hidden signals of yeah. what we as humanity and as civilization are supposed to be working on. Like, where do you, what do you think about that? I couldn't agree with you more. And that's such a beautiful way of saying it all. And I'm thinking about that as well. Um, we are a part of nature. We exist within nature. We are nature. We are not separate from nature, but we have tried to separate ourselves from nature. We have tried over the past, you know, hundred years to control nature and to make it our servant, I suppose, you know, to, to take what we can from nature, not realizing we are a part of nature and, and, and we're kind of, we're experiencing the consequences of that. This is our home. This is our environment. And we need to take care of it as if we are taking care of ourselves because we are as, as the environment goes, so go we the earth is going to be fine. You know, it's, it's, do we want, do we want to stay here in a, in a healthy livable way? Uh, whether we exist or not is not of great consequence to the earth. It will bounce back. If we all go away, the earth will be fine. It's not, it's not like save the earth. It's save, it's save us. So um, it is very interesting that our environment has been, um, you know, diminished uh, you know, a lot of the rainforest burn, that's kind of what we call the earth's lungs, you know, what was that like last summer or something? And now here we are all experiencing lung issues. So the earth's lungs become damaged and then not too soon after our lungs are now going through this, this challenge in Eastern medicine, every, every organ has an emotion as well. Um, the lungs correlate to sadness and grief. So, you know, take what you want from that. Uh, but yeah, we need, we need to really consider, uh, focusing more on taking care of the planet because the, as the planet's health goes, so, do, so does ours, you know, and it's, it's, there's so many beautiful parallels, uh, in Eastern medicine and so many metaphors because it's all, it's all based in Taoism and Taoism is all set it's all rooted in nature. So uh, all of Eastern medicine looks at the body as it looks at nature. And, and everything learned from Eastern medicine was learned from observing nature and how it works and the patterns that we see in nature. And we've just applied those to the human system and, and the body, and they all parallel. So Eastern medicine, Taoism, it all sees, it all sees nature within us because we are within nature. I mean, I think that's so perfectly said. I do feel like we've been getting very strong messages on like, hey, we've been hinting, we've been hinting, let us 
we're going to be a little stronger now on how you need to shift. Because I agree with you, it's like we come from nature, our energy is constantly connected to the core of earth, but yet we deny so much of who we are as part of that. And like you said, you know, we've been taking, taking, and we do, we keep taking away, not realizing. And I thought it was funny. I mean, I've said it a million times, like many civilizations have come and gone. Like there's no reason why we can't go. Um, But yet we're in a weird state of forgetting that power that's not ours. And yet it's like, we've been fooled um, to really think that it is in our power. And maybe this is a moment where we're all being kind of reminded of, you know, it, it doesn't work that way. No, and I think you're right. I think this is a nudge. Uh, this, you know, I know everyone's f- freaking out and it's scary because it's new in, in our lifetime and we haven't really dealt with this, but this is, all things considered, it's pretty mild. There have been many worse situations throughout human history than this. And I do think this is a, a very soft nudge from the universe or, or Mother Earth or whatever, like, hey, this is going to happen if you guys don't shape up. It's also slowly kind of open. You know, I've talked about this a lot with people too, but interesting on that thing of like the nudge and like the fear factor is, you know, it's opened up people's perspective on, like we were talking about the LA bubble, you know, the bubbles are being popped because we see how global everything truly is. And as much as we want to feel like, well, I live right here. And so that person's life or way doesn't affect me or, you know, yes, I like the borders there, whatever it is. I think it's made people realize that you can have as, as much border control as you want. It doesn't really matter. Um, we're all connected however you want to slice it. So I feel like it's such a fast, I think that's a little of the fear too. And not that I'm saying people are scared of other people. Some are, but not everyone. But I do think just seeing that there's a whole different way of being that probably has to happen because the structure that we have put on things clearly doesn't really do what we think it's doing. Yeah. And I, that's scary for everyone, just the idea of an unknown. So obviously for some people who are like xenophobes, then it's truly scary. But for a lot of people, just that unknown idea, I think is really scary. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. But I, I love also you're highlighting how interconnected we all are and how everything is one, you know? And that is very, uh, very Eastern philosophy as well. There's, there's no segmenting, you know, Western conventional mindset and medicine, like it, it's very segmented. It's very, you know, this person does this with the heart, this person does this with the lungs and nobody ever really comes together. Whereas Eastern medicine looks at it all as one whole. And this whole epidemic we're experiencing is just highlighting how we are one and how interconnected we are, despite all of our differences and borders and, you know, whatever it's, we're all, we're all one unit functioning together. And if this doesn't help to awaken, you know, that sense of like, wow, we're really just one people on earth and we should work together. I don't know what will. But it is interesting because I feel like it's doing that for some people and then per usual because we're stuck in this. I was talking about it this morning. We're just stuck in this duality. There's others that are going the extreme way still. And then it's like, I don't know, as a human, you wonder, well, will it ever evolve? I don't know. Totally. And I think, you know, I've had that conversation as well. I don't think we need a hundred percent of people to awaken and become conscious and, and, but like, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, if we, but if we get more, you know, that's great. And maybe it reaches a tipping point and the scales start to shift. And, you know, there's enough people uh, that start to outweigh the other people that are maybe still isolating and, and, and feeling separate and independent and, and, and as if, you know, their actions have no consequences. So, you know, I, it's easy to look at this, you know, we're in the middle of chaos and within chaos, exist all possibilities and that's that's great you know because there are there are so many there there are an infinite number of paths that we could that this could go and you can think of the worst case scenarios and you can think of the best case scenarios and everything in between and it's kind of what existence you want to choose you know it's like a choose your own adventure at this point what path do you want to go down uh i like to think optimistically i like to think of of the best case scenarios um, other people are living with very fear-based mindsets and they're thinking of the worst case scenarios. 
I don't know what, what that serves <laughs> necessarily. Um, you know, fear is where disease is rooted. And as much as you can live, live uh, in the moment, I think, I think that's very, that's very critical. Uh, understanding truly and deeply and clearly that there's only this moment, uh, no past, no future, really helps to alleviate a lot of the suffering um, that we may experience people who are thinking of the future that doesn't yet exist. It, 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 that affects you in the moment, you know, stress is, you know, you know, you you experience stress, whether it's real or perceived. So if you're, th if you're sitting there thinking of the worst case scenarios and fearing about the future, you're creating that existence in here in the present moment. And you are, your, there's physiological consequences to that in your body. So you, in each moment, you have to choose to water the good seeds. You know, you could, there's the bad seeds and the good seeds. Which ones okay. are you going to water? But I love that. And I think that's a very good point. It's that to remind people that stress and fear, I mean, I love that you said disease lives in fear because we say that all the time. As everyone here who listens knows, I've been doing um, Fists of Anger every morning at 6 a.m. live on our Instagram for exactly that reason, because I'm like, you've got to get that frequency off of you and out yeah. because it's, I mean, not only so you can live in the moment, it's impossible to live in the moment when you have the frequency of fear there because it just pulls you one way or the other, but also for your own immunity. Like we need to be strong right now and it is not good for your immune system to be stressed out. And we are so challenged right now, physically, you know, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, and like everyone's being challenged, I feel like to an extreme in all of those different facets, which is why I do feel like talking to you is such a great help because it is all about balance and you can't just treat one without the other. Like I tell people like, it's great. Like you need to do your exercise. You need to be physical and keep your strength up. But like, that's only one part of it. If the other stuff isn't like also being taken care of, like, well, you know, again, if you want to look at yourself as like a shield, well, you're very vulnerable then in other places. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, our, everything starts as an energy and then it manifests into a physical form. So our thoughts, our emotions, that's where it exists as energy. And then whatever, whatever vibration and frequency those are at, those will manifest in that physical form and in physiological ways. So your thoughts and your emotions have very real consequences in your body. Your body doesn't just <laughs> fall into a state of disarray on its own. Things happen, forces come that lead to that. And it's, it's actually very easy to exercise in a physical way. What's difficult is to exercise your mind and control your thoughts. That's really the hardest thing anyone can do, but the most important, you know, the more you can. And it took me a long time to learn that, to be honest, it, it, it was, uh, I kind of thought my thoughts and my emotions just came as they did. And I had no real control over that. And once I realized like, oh no, that's an exercise. You have to you have to control those things. You have to uh, choose what thoughts you have and what thoughts you don't want to have because it has very serious uh, consequences. Once I started to realize that, uh, that, that opened up a whole new world for me. <laughs> well, what was the first thing for you that worked when you were like, oh, oh shit, like maybe I can actually kind of do an exercise that helps control these? What was like the first thing for you? It was just any time I, I found myself in the past that I would dwell on things that upset me. And I thought that was just my nature. And I almost thought there was something noble about it. You know, I think sometimes maybe grief and sadness, it, it, it maybe honors something that we felt was important. But then at a certain point, you need to let that go, you know, and uh I just realized I wasn't being served to dwell in those places. And so when I started realizing that, I, when I would have thoughts that were negative or sad or, uh, you know, brought me to a, a place I didn't like being, I just had to stop thinking about that and start thinking about something else. And then, you know, surrounding yourself and removing the stimuli is really, really important. So bound, creating boundaries, you know, with people and things in your life and eliminating anything that's negative or toxic or doesn't make you feel good is really important and not feel, not feeling guilty about that. Cause for a long time I felt, you know, bad, like, Oh, but that person's, 
my friend or this person wants to do that with me. Like if it doesn't make, if it doesn't bring you peace, don't worry about it. Get rid of it, you know, and, and you really have to start setting up those boundaries and that's hard at first. And the more you do it, the better you feel. And then the reward is feeling good. And you're only as useful to the world as you know as you are within yourself so if you if you are feeling wonderful and happy that's your gift to the world and it's really on you to uh cultivate that energy and exist in that energy and be kind of a beacon of light for other people and to tune your vibration to one that people want to be around and that takes a lot of work you have to you have to choose the thoughts you have to choose responding rather than reacting you have to surround yourself with the right people. You have to do the activities that make you uh, happy and joyful and live in a really, really bright way. You know, and, and back to what we were saying before when we were talking about it's not necessarily that everyone has to be awakened, but if we can get a few more people there and slowly tip the scales. But my point to that being like, if you can start making those choices for yourself, like you were saying, and start putting out that frequency, you know, of love, then you are part of tipping the scales. And that's like a huge service. And I don't think people realize how much of a service, especially in what we're going through right now, that is how you can be of service. You know, a lot of people ask and they might not have the means or the financial means or the time to be of service in what people can like perceive as the obvious ways. But just doing that alone is actually a huge service for humanity and can actually shift things in the long run. It's the greatest service you can offer in your lifetime, not only now, especially now, but it's the purpose of being, in my opinion, tuning your vibrational frequency to the, the most pure, like loving energy you can. That is, that is what we're here to do on an individual level. And you don't have to do something big. I mean, that is big, you know, but it doesn't have to, it doesn't have to be this huge grandiose thing that the whole world sees, but like what you can do for humanity is, is become the best version of yourself. Like you just said, that's exactly what all of our work is, you know, and whatever that looks like for you. And that's not an easy thing. It's a life's work, you know, and it takes a lot. It takes a lot. And also even like setting the boundaries, like you were saying, yes, especially when it has to do with friends or family or personal boundaries, those are really hard. But there's also like, you know, especially right now, like the news for some people makes oh, yeah. you irate, you know, or, you know, following certain politicians makes you irate. And like, again, there's not saying that you're right or wrong for feeling that way. But if you're starting to see that it's creating that sense of like, anger well then maybe that's something that you need to do less of or start cutting off precisely yeah so you know it takes identifying that and that self-awareness is where things start to begin you have to become self-aware you have to start to realize and identify the triggers that are causing you to feel um imbalanced and and you have to stop choosing those things and if you continue to choose them then you need to start asking why what am I distracting myself from? Why do I want to look at the news when I know it makes me feel terrible? Why do I want to engage in, you know, arguments and discord with, with people? Why not choose peace? When there's silence and stillness and you exist in peace and things come up that scare you, uh, a lot of people, not a lot of people, some people have difficulty with that because that's the real stuff, you know, that stuff, that pain within them. Pain awakens empathy, uh, suffering gives birth to compassion, and there can be no understanding without compassion, and there can be no true love without understanding. True love cannot exist without pain and suffering. And you, know, you, you need to look within yourself, and you need to find what suffering exists, and you need to look very closely at it, and you need to see what you can do about releasing it and to exist in silence and peace and stillness and you know not seek those distractions not not search for you know exterior happiness because happiness only comes from within yourself i love that i think that's such a beautiful place to end you have been very informative and helpful and i'm sure this is going to be such a beautiful resource for people so thank you thank you i love doing it and we'll have all your information especially on our on our page notes so if there's anything you want to say where people can find you, please do so now, but we'll also have everything for everyone. Cool. Thank you. you. Yeah, no, of course. Thank you. And we'll talk again next time. I want to get you on so I can hear more of your story. I like to dive into that stuff, but today was obviously more COVID focused, but we'll have you on again.
Awesome. Yay. Have a great day. Thanks. You too. Bye. Bye. Dent Talks podcast would not exist without these incredible people, Nicole Rappi, Reem Edon, Hayden Fungheiser, Kim Bielik, and music by Alex Fetter. Thanks for joining us. If you haven't subscribed, please do. And also wherever you listen, please go and leave us a review. It's so greatly appreciated. It really does help us out. If you want to keep talking about all this stuff, please join our community on our secret Facebook page. Go to Facebook, search Den Talks Podcast, and join us there. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.